Jeez. Thanks for listening to Two Drink Cinema. If you'd like to support us further, head over to patreon.com slash twodrinkcinema. As a patron, you gain access to exclusive bonus episodes and can contribute to the making of Two Drink Cinema. The support of our patrons can help us go from a D-grade flop to a box office blockbuster. Patreon.com forward slash twodrinkcinema. Cheers. Drink cinema! Jeez. Welcome to another episode of Two Drink Cinema. We are two brothers reviewing movies, two drinks at a time. Hello, Brett. Hello. Hello. Hello, Brett. Is that how he sounds? Hello. I don't know. Um... You know, you can just say phone home now and it will phone home your assistant that we can't mention the name of unless she interrupts well, our podcast. Well, will it? Because I don't have a phone. Home. A home phone. If you program a someone phone, in your... A phone. A home phone. <laughs> if you program someone in your contacts as home, it just rings them. Oh, so I could say, hey, company, phone, phone home, home and it will phone home. Yeah, it'll phone oh. whoever's in your contacts as home. That's cool. Yeah. I wonder if ET really could have used that. Been like, hey Alexa, phone home, and then it would have been like, yeah, easy. Hey, hey Alexa, phone home. <laughs> Why are you doing it, <laughs> listeners? Yeah. I wish you could see Lee's face when he's doing so it. I'm doing the face. I've got it. It's it's called getting into character. It's called acting. Okay. Okay. Sure. All right. Um, this week we're reviewing Sister Act Two. No, <laughs> we're reviewing ET. The Sister Act Two review is uh, on the Patreon. If you want to do that, the preview uh, for ET has already been on the Patreon. If you want the previews, which is where we talk about uh, some interesting facts about the movie, uh, then get onto the Patreon. Uh, three bucks a month. And you get five bonus episodes. Patreon.com forward slash to drink cinema for that. But in the review, before we talk about the movie, we get a drink. Yes. Brett has found a drink. Yeah. I found a couple of different drinks. Yeah. And so I've made my own drink. I really wanted... We spent a lot of time as well. There's a shot called an ET. Yeah. And it's a layer of vodka... A layer of Midori and a layer of Bailey's. Yes. But we couldn't get the layering. Nah. And so, also, when we did it and couldn't get the layering, it looked disgusting. It did look gross. But the layer is the look we wanted. Uh, we couldn't quite get it. So when we later in the year have our two-drink cinema cocktail party, yeah, we'll get an actual mixologist. Yes. If there's a mixologist listening, get in touch. And they will be able to make... ET shots because they'll be able to layer shots better than us. Yeah. But you have come up with what? Um, I'm calling it a um, a, a phone home. Okay. You literally just came up with that now, yep. didn't you? Uh, well, I was going to call it an alien invasion, but then it's like, is it really an invasion? So I didn't want to call it that and I didn't want to put that negative uh, vocabulary out there for ET. Okay. Okay. Right? okay. So we're keeping it positive. And we're phoning home. Okay. All right. So it has a shot of Bacardi. Yep. A shot of vodka. Yep. A shot of blue curacao. Yep. Curacao, however you want to say that. Curacao. And a shot of Midori. 
we are going to be drunk. And then you kind of top it off with some panoply juice. Okay. And then you come up with this uh, naturally coloured greeny, blue, yellowy, I don't know what colour that is. Aqua. It's not even aqua. Cheers. You know what it looks like? It looks like the colour of one of the Mr. Bean VHS boxes back in the day. Yeah, it does. That's a very obscure reference. Cheers. Ooh. It's interesting. I don't know what the... I don't know about the pineapple juice. I'd prefer... I think the pineapple juice would be helped by your original idea to use Malibu instead of Bacardi. Of course. You just want me to use coconut rum. I just love the coconut rum, okay? It's not bad. I like it. It's refreshing. It doesn't taste like an alien. Not that I know what they taste <laughs> How like. How many aliens but, have you tasted? Um, we'll leave that for another time. Nice. Yeah, refreshing. I'll get through this one, mm. which is good. That's a good one. Which is always a positive. All right. On with the movie. Two drinks in a bar. As we drink our phone home, let's talk about the alien who is desperate to hold home. Um... I Can have I to tell say you something off the bat? Okay, all right. Well, I was going to say the best thing about the movie is the kids acting is John Williams. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you have a v- controversial opinion. Yeah. There's going to be a few um Gen Xers that don't like me for saying this. Yeah. Don't at the podcast. No, at, at me. At him. At me. Yeah. Bring it. Um <laughs> kind of boring. Yeah, it's not. There are a couple of pacing issues. It just takes so long to get into it, and then nothing really happens. Well, until I, the end. Well, I I think the point of it is the connection between ET and Elliot, both yeah, they, because of that weird alien connection where he feels his feelings, but also. The thing, Which they don't really explain very well. No, but also the thing of Elliot is desperate for friends and E.T. becomes his friend. But then that for the amount of time that in the movie is devoted to that, there doesn't seem to be a lot of depth to it. No. The music is great, though. <laughs> the music is great. Like Even... It's, it's, it's very... It, in particular bits, it's used very well, which is very... Um, John Williams. I could... The combination of Steven Spielberg and John Williams is is like up there. Like, I'm not huge on knowing historical movie people, I guess, but the Hitchcock... (laughs) What? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The Hitchcock Herman and the Spielberg Williams. Like, in terms of director, composer... yeah. I doubt you'd find any pairings that work as well as those two. No, not that I can think of anyway. No, and and I but I also don't think directors as regularly go to a composer. But if I was if I was making a movie the John first person the I list. would go to yeah. would be um Danny Elfman. Then I go because <laughs> I'm making a weird movie. Apparently, yep. um, no. You'd, John Williams can do anything. Well, well, I, well. I I think one one thing 
with John Williams and and probably at some point we'll have to do a John Williams episode because he is such an icon of cinema yeah. and cinema scoring. But I think one thing that really showed me the versatility of John Williams is Catch Me If You Can. Yes. Because if you think John Williams, you think Superman, Star Wars, E.T., Raiders of the Lost Ark. Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. Like you think big orchestral yeah. themes and... And really epic-y. Yeah. Epic-y? <laughs> epic-y sci-fi. And you think, you know, the entire 80 pieces of the London Symphony Orchestra yeah. absolutely just going balls to the wall with themes. But then what he did with Catch Me If You Can, the whole theme of that is just that little clarinet. Yeah. It's just so different to to everything else. And then like and then he does Schindler's list as well, which is a he he likes a theme. Yeah. And he, the the a trumpet theme doesn't really shoot suit Schindler's list. Yeah. Um he does a theme it his themes always make you feel something. And he, generally it's like say in ET it's like oh, yay. Yes. They yes. can ride a bike um, or they can do anything. <laughs> um, but then like in Schindler's List, obviously it's more like, oh, shit. Yeah. Sadness. Sadness. And we won't go into yeah. that. The, yeah. All of that being said, I feel like, uh, one more thing before I say that. Okay. E.T. has a theme as a character, right? Yeah. Which I'm struggling again to think of off the top of my head. And one of the things that John Williams and his team, because there'll be, you know, musicians and movie musicians out there that are like, John Williams doesn't do all the orchestration. And they probably don't. But I feel like he does more orchestrations than Hans Zimmer. But that's a whole nother yeah. rabbit hole with Hans Zimmer. Yeah. But what... John Williams and his team and his orchestra do incredibly well is that you hear the theme played by the trumpets when the bike flies. You hear the theme played by a flute when it's just him in the wardrobe. Mm. Underscoring that theme is the rest of the orchestra behind that trumpet or behind that flute that does the feeling like yes. when we're first seeing et there's his theme but all of what goes on underneath is mysterious yes 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 and then when he does fly the bike it's the same theme but all of what's underneath is heroic and victorious i think this more than maybe other john williams movies that's no, not his movie. Spielberg movies. <laughs> like movies that John Williams has scored. Yes. Is that especially the start and probably through a lot of the movie, there isn't that much dialogue. There's a lot of music in this movie. So it's kind of like another part of telling the story, which yeah. the music always is. Yeah. But it's more like I felt more important, especially at the start. That first... It already looked kind of mysterious and creepy, but the music you're like, ooh... What's going on? Well, and it and it changes even within that first 10 to 15 minutes of the aliens, the ETs, 
doing their little walking around the ship and then going back onto the ship and then the baddies, the guy with the keys is coming. Oh, the keys. Yeah. There is, it changes and it goes between going, oh, these little guys are cute. Mm. Like, oh, they're just coming to little check out Earth. Oh no, they're, what could happen? These could be bad aliens. Yes. But then we see the guy with the keys and it's a little bit Darth Vader similar. But you know straight away he's a baddie. He's a baddie because he has keys. But then, no, well, you, you know he's a baddie because he has the same intervals in his theme as Darth Vader does. Yeah. But within all of that music, there's just going between, are these aliens mysterious? Are these aliens a potential threat? Are these aliens cute? Are these aliens little adventurers? And I think that does a lot of the work in setting up how unknown E.T. is before we see him. Yeah, and it's the almost, I don't know what, it's, I, I want to say suspense, but it's not suspense. It's mystery. Of seeing E.T. Yeah, it's not because mystery, a lot of it like, is, you know, this guy. moving around the bushes. Whether that was a direct directorial choice or the puppet wasn't ready yet. Yeah. Um. Like you know, it's just like we'll just see that, which is which is similar to Jurassic Park. A lot of the time, you don't see dinosaurs. You just see a lot. the bushes move. You see the bushes yeah. move and shit. Newman sees the dinosaur. Yeah, he's spitting his face. You know who else sees it? The guy taking a shit in the toilet. <laughs> he sees the dinosaur. Uh, so does seventy-five percent of Samuel L. Jackson, because there's just the arm that's oh. left that <laughs> falls on Laura Dern. Um, <laughs> the yeah, the music is incredible, but after all of that, I feel like the victorious version, the heroic version of E.T.'s theme is a little bit overused. Okay. Every time E.T. does something great, we have the full orchestra. Yep. Whereas I feel like if we didn't get the full orchestra heroic theme until he flies over the police... I would have cried. It then. would have been more impactful. I teared up when he yep. flew over the police. But okay. I reckon if I hadn't have heard that full heroic theme three times already before then, I would have cried. Right. You know what maybe it is with the music? I felt. Mm. It's which I felt with the, this ET with the music is one theme. Yep. Yep. Whereas in Star Wars, there's like four. Well, there's also and then Jurassic Park, there's like two or three. There's one character, really, yeah. in this film. So, you know, it's not like Elliot has his own theme. Yeah. That has just been like, womp, womp. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Like, lonely boy. Um, Well, the mum has a... Oh, no. We'll get into the mum later, I think. But, no, you know what I mean? So, it's like... Yep, yep. In Star Wars, Darth Vader has a theme. Skywalker has a theme. And then there's also just like... Well, and Leia has a thing. What's it? There's a love theme for Leia and um, Harrison Ford. Han Solo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And there, yeah, there is, there's like an Empire theme. Yes. As well as a Darth Vader theme. Yeah. What's my favourite bit? No, we're not going to, okay. Let's talk about E.T. What's your favourite John Williams theme? Mine is Superman. I think mine might be Jurassic Park. Because it's always in my head. Yeah, Jurassic Park's a good one. 
or is it just the Jurassic, Although, the Jurassic you Park? Can is of, good. I do like that. That that bit of Jurassic Park is very good. Um, can we release um, this separately yeah. as a John Williams episode? <laughs> Catch me if you can is good. <laughs> Hold that. When we get to a week where we don't want to talk about a movie, yeah, we're just going to go through John Williams themes. Okay, we're actually, the, just sing. I'm going to yeah. sing one, and you have to guess. Going to sing one. We're going to just go. Oh well, Jaws. We, did, we haven't even mentioned Jaws until <laughs> all now. the way from to whatever he's done most recently. What do you reckon John Williams' most recent movie is? The new Star Wars? No, that's uh, Michael Giacchino. The Harry Potters? I reckon it's the Harry Potters. John Williams. He's done one since the last Harry His, Potter. You know when you search someone in IMDb it's known and it for. comes up with a thing before yeah. they're known for, it was music department, Star Wars. Yeah. No. Composer. Yeah, composer, yeah, 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 yeah. Star Wars. Um, oh, He's credited on Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. Well, probably because they used the themes yeah. that he wrote. So oh, we could have done it known for. So Star Wars. His most recent credit is Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker, but he didn't compose that score. They just used his theme. Right. So, um, oh, no, actor, Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. Oh. And in 1959, Johnny Staccato, he played a character called Piano. Oh God. <laughs> um, but his most recent one uh, is. The Post in 2017. Oh, which is, guess, I don't uh, Spielberg again. Yeah. A Craze, A-C-R-A-Z-E, featuring Cherish, Do It To It. Oh, that's a music video. Home Alone's a good one, too. Home Alone's a very good one. Ching, 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 with the sleigh bells. He's good. Anyway. Now Save we've that. spent half an hour talking about that. Save that. Um, so let's get past the music and into the movie. I understand single mums don't always have the highest budget, um, but she could have paid her power bill, surely. Um, you know what some single mums <laughs> have... Turn a light on. Some Most single mums, though, would have more um, interest in, in their, their children. children. No, this she, is a thing. Um, she was, to me, she was the baddie no, in this movie. Do you know what it is? In the 80s, parents didn't care about their kids in film. Think about the Goonies. Like yeah, the whole okay. Goonies film. They Stand end up, by me. Yeah. But, they and go and even get a dead body. And I was saying last week. The Shining. Because I've rewatched. <laughs> I've rewatched Stranger Things because the new one's coming out soon. Okay. And one. Stranger Things is just literally an 80s tribute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing that they nailed is that the parents don't care about what the kids are doing. Ferris Bueller. Yeah. The, the 80s parents. Don't care. No, they're too busy doing cocaine. I assume. I don't. And I, you know who else doesn't care? John McClane, eighties. Oh no, he cared. The he mum cared. didn't. He brought the huge teddy bear. Yeah. Okay. For a Christmas. Oh fuck present. off! Here we go. <laughs> I shouldn't have brought it up. Okay, name an eighties movie with a first. Marty McFly's parents didn't give a shit. He went to another time. And they didn't give yeah. a shit. He just about tore apart the space-time continuum and they didn't even know he was gone. Um, Judd, is it Judd Nelson? 
in the Breakfast Club. None of those parents cared in the Breakfast Club, or they wouldn't have ended up in detention. Especially the one that cut herself. Kids with bad parents end up in detention. That's not true. Are you saying my. I had detention. (laughs) I never had a Saturday detention. I had a a grade six, was the only time I ever had detention. I had a lunchtime detention. I don't know. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Just a yard duty. I can't remember when mine was. Go around and pick up papers. I don't know even why I got it. It was something really stupid. Like I didn't do bin duty properly. Because back in the day. You had to put the bins out. Yeah. Kids had to do the garbage. So listen here, Gen Ys. What are we up to? <laughs> Z. Gen What's the one alpha. that are in kids now? Gen Alpha. Yeah. Alpha. Fuck. Yeah. More beta. Um. <laughs> Imagine you, you don't have to do the bins at your school, so don't fucking complain to me. No, I think they still do have to. The last school I worked at, the kids had to take the I'm bins out. I'm surprised that's a thing still. There's got to be OHS. Surely there was a PTA meeting about that. Maybe which is the post- only time in 80s movies the parents care at a PTA meeting. Yeah, the only time parents care in the 80s is when they try to ban a book. <gasps> you know who else? Donnie it? Darko. Oh, I was going <laughs> to say that. Because that's the only time they care is when they're trying to ban a book. And that wasn't in the 80s. No, it was. It was, it was, set, in it was set in the 80s. It was set in the 80s. Yeah. And you know what? Drew Barrymore. Ooh. Mm. And you know whose parents in real life didn't care? Drew, Drew Barrymore. That's why she was at um, Studio f- f- 54 doing drugs when she was a kid. She's really good at crying. She's as actually, a kid. I have to say, it's probably her best acting performance. <laughs> Except when she does those interviews and pretends that she cares on her talk show. I'm the- miss you. She's the good. acting of those three kids is very good. He Henry Thomas. Henry Thomas, very good. Very good. Like I was like, how the hell did he not do more? Yeah, drugs. Oh well, there you go. Yeah, because you know what? Because it's nineteen eighty-two, and his parents didn't care. His parents- <laughs> that's, that's okay. That's enough for that. His parents just dropped him off at set, and then he's doing cocaine with Judd Nelson, and then he's fucked. Yeah, and then off he, and then yeah. Done. He's come back though. There's the show on Netflix, Midnight Mass. Oh, okay. He's a he's a reasonably major part in that. But he can act, and so can Drew. He's the best actor and the brother. in this movie. Oh, wait, his performance is the best in this movie. Yeah. Actually, he's yes. the best actor in this. movie. He's the best actor in this movie, and closely followed by Drew, and then his older brother. Yeah, you know what the the older brother has a good. Arc. The older brother's at the start. I'm like, he's a dick. The older brother's very confusing. He's a super nerd. He's playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, and loves Star Wars. But then he comes home in football pads. Like, yeah, if American cinema has taught me anything, it's nerds don't play sport. Yeah, and in the real world, nerds might play sport, but in a, yeah. in cinema. No. In cinema, no. You can't do football and Dungeons and Dragons. Especially in the 80s. If you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, you're getting beaten up by the footballers. That's the way of the world. Yeah. And your parents don't care. Okay, there we go. <laughs> We're going to add something to the Chattis Minkoi score about how much a parent cares. Yeah. Is that what's going Where on? The D in Chad is, is delinquent. Stand for Department of Children's Services. <laughs> <laughs> or A is going to stand for absent parent. <laughs> um. Do you reckon, did you pick straight away which kid they wanted to be Ralph Macchio when they're playing Dungeons the and Dragons? That, oh, the, the one with the gigantic headphones? Yeah, uh, Yes. But when the four 
older kids are sitting around. I'm like, that one's Ralph Macchio. That one that almost looks exactly like Ralph yeah. Macchio. And then I was like, that kid could have been Billy Zabka. <laughs> <laughs> that could could have been, what's his name? Two and a half men. John Cryer, but too old. Maybe. How old's John Cryer? Well, oh, he was in another 80s movie. He was in 16 Candles, wasn't that, he? That was the one. Or Pretty in Pink, one of those two. John Cryer. He was in a movie with Molly Ringwald in the 80s. And there's 50. only about three of them. So. John Cryer's 57. I don't think, I think that's similar age to Ralph Macchio. So 30, yeah, but oh, Ralph Macchio's 40 60. years ago, 17. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Maybe, oh, it's earlier 80s than I was thinking. Yeah. If I was a 13 year old girl in 1985, I 100% would have had a Ralph Macchio poster on my wall. Okay. Good. Okay. Let's do. We'll do a Karate Kid episode at some oh, point. Shoot. I'm sure. It's up there. It's one of my favourites. Good. Maybe it's in my top ten. You've said that about twenty films. Yeah, I know. Um, I want to start calling people penis breath. Okay. Maybe we should have. You know how people make their own Spotify playlists and then people subscribe to them. Like we should make a two drink cinema Spotify playlist of songs from movies. Okay. Um. We should have a sayings list of two drink cinema that we want to put into use. Okay. All of our two drink cinema fans should start using yes. penis breath. Listeners. And using, I'm not made of eyes. Listeners, if you are at work this week, please call one of your colleagues penis breath. Don't call the head of HR penis breath. Yeah, true. Yep. Call her a The effects of the ship taking off in that very first scene I watched it on a 4K Ultra HD I watched it on my TV Which isn't small But it was just on like Stan or whatever Was it average? It was average Okay Because I was going to say Often the higher definition you watch something in I know I sound super entitled and special That I watched it on an Ultra HD on a big screen Yeah. But often the higher effects you watch something in the more those special effects look dated. Look dated. Yeah. But if they look dated for you, then the stand up ability mm. score might drop a little bit. I feel like there's a remastered version that we didn't watch. No, I'm pretty sure that had the ghost of Hayden Christensen in it. <laughs> <laughs> they did very well to set up that Elliot has no friends. Without oh, being yeah, yeah. like without being like he's a loner. Without like him sitting in the Sitting in his bedroom, listening to Tears or, for Fears. Yeah. Or without him um, going to school and not having anyone to sit with at lunch. Yeah, you or know, without those... being actively like bullied at school. Yeah. But he's so desperate to be involved in this game of his older brothers that it's very clear that he's desperate for a friend. And so as soon as E.T. rocks up and isn't going to eat him alive, yeah. he makes friends like, with him. I'm a friend. Yeah. I wonder if when, as a director, if there's any directors listening, get in touch for multiple reasons, but also to answer this question. Yeah, because I have a lot of movie ideas. Actually, if a director's listening to our podcast at this level now, they probably won't be able to answer the question that I'm going to ask, Okay, which you'll understand when I ask it. As a director, when you shoot something, do you look at it and go, fuck, that's going to be iconic? Because yeah, the okay. shot of the light coming out of the shed and Elliot standing there, oh, that's yeah. iconic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, 
the light on the guy outside the house at the Exorcist. Yes. Like, that shit is iconic. Do you think Steven Spielberg goes, da-da-da, you know, does he, goes Henry, walk up, here's your mark, talks to his lighting guy and says, I want this happen, and the cinematographer goes, yeah, yeah, this, this, and then he goes, yep, 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 and cut, and he goes, that's, that's fucking iconic. He's probably sitting there going, like, fuck, I'm good. Yeah, he goes, oh. I fucking nailed that. Yeah. People are going to be I reckon, like putting that on posters in their living room. I reckon it's a thing of making it look good, but not the level of iconicness that it is. I th- yeah, I think they know it looks there good. Are, there are certain things that I reckon Steven Spielberg has done that's been like, that's iconic. Like, you know, in Jaws, when he's like shoveling the shit in the yeah, um, thing yeah. and then the shark pops up, he's probably like, that's fucking amazing. Uh, that is going to sell this movie. Or <laughs> do you reckon... When E.T. flies the bike across the sun, Steven Spielberg goes, it's the sun in the movie, but his logo, yeah, whatever. Yeah. As he rides, the flies the bike across the thing in the sky that's round. (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) That could make a good logo. Spielberg goes, cut, that's a logo. Somebody, (laughs) somebody, yeah. Who knows the 1982 version of Photoshop? Yeah. Make that a logo. Hey, Kathleen Kennedy. What do you reckon about this for our logo? She's like, great, done. done. Were they married at this point? I don't know. Okay. Good question. Were they married at all? Yeah. Okay. And I think they were all a little like third wheel with George Lucas. Oh. And now George Lucas sold, when George Lucas sold Lucasfilm to Disney, he said, I'll sell it, but you have to put Kathleen Kennedy in charge. Oh, yeah. Well, fuck. I would have given her a job anyway. Yeah. They he did very good decisions in this movie. <laughs> he did very good decisions in this movie. That cocktail, yes. mm. that Midori, mm. it's getting me. The no, he had it was a great decision, I think, to make the look of these ET aliens completely unique. Yes, and to not make them the oval head, big yeah. eyes, grey, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, little spacemen. Because, and I think what that does... It's very marketable. Yeah, it's marketable, but I also think the decision came from... He wanted to make a character movie. And E.T. is a character that connects with the other characters in the movie. Okay. And so I think by designing it to not look like the stereotypical representation of an alien in cinema, it's it's not... Oh, these are aliens. It's an alien movie. Do you yes, know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. not just like an alien movie. This is a person from another planet. Okay. Whereas if it had just been the little grey or the little green man, yeah. it would have just kind of gone into the rest of it stereotypical just another alien, alien movie. Yeah. Um, you know what? If I meet an alien, I there are three priorities I have to show the alien about Life on Earth. Yep. Reese's Pieces. Pez. <laughs> Coke. And action figures. Yeah. He goes, these are the things like, this is this, this is this, is this, this is Lando Calrissian, yeah. and this is Boba Fett. And I'm like, he knows them. Yeah. He's no, from the same universe. Actu- Do you want to hear about that? Yeah. Because okay. I was like, you said in the preview. I did the research. Okay. It was the thing. And I'm like, he knows who fucking Boba Fett is, all right? I did the research because E.T. recognises Yoda at Halloween. 
Yes, that yes. was the other one as well. Um, which so is, I did which some is research. One, just in like hilarious. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's funny because they're both aliens. Yep. But Well, so the Spielberg and Lucas obviously mates. Yeah. Like Spielberg is one of the reasons that Star Wars even got made in the first place. Yeah. And they wrote Indiana Jones together. Yes. Okay. For Spielberg to produce, uh, for Spielberg oh. to direct, and Lucas to produce. And there is a very funny and inappropriate South Park episode about the fourth Indiana Jones movie. That's all I'm going to mention because it's quite off color. Okay, put it behind the paywall on the Patreon. But if you like the humor of um, South Park, it's a very funny Go and episode. Find it. That's all I'm going to say. Continue. So I looked it up. We'll watch that later. Right. So initially. Spielberg just put that Star Wars stuff in there because Lucas is his mate and it's but it's also totally fits the character of Elliot that in nineteen eighty two he's gonna be obsessed with Star Wars. Oh, hundred percent. Because Empire Strikes Back came out in eighty one. Yeah. Star Wars in seventy seven. So it totally fits that he would be obsessed. Since so then the payback for that mention mm. is E.T.'s race of aliens being in the Galactic Senate in Star Wars Episode One: A Phantom Menace. Yeah. Which I mentioned in the preview. Patreon.com forward slash 2 drink cinema if you want to get the preview. Yes. The deeper research, right? Following the appearance in Episode One, a novel was written about the race of E.T. Right? What nerd did that? Well, they're Asogians or Asogians. It's a letter G. I don't know if it's soft or hard. Asogians from the planet Brodo Asogi. This nerd just made up. Well, That's not Steven Spielberg's idea. But it's now accepted canon in the Star Wars universe, right? Yeah. Okay. Because nerds are nerds. I wrote yeah. this moment. Because nerds are nerds, there's a whole backstory to these creatures in both the E.T. movie and the Star Wars universe. I'm waiting for Star Wars. It'll be like when they're done with the Mandalorian and Boba Fett series. An the E.T. E.T. series. Asogi. Yeah. The, the planet is called Brodo Asogi, right? God. And the story goes, right, that they're in the Star Wars universe. Yep. And the head Asogi alien, Asogian, whose name is Gerblieps. Okay. Which is Ger- Spielberg spelt backwards. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Apparently, what's well, no. the noise I made after I ate Mexican food? Yeah. G- Gerblips. <laughs> yeah. Um, ordered an intergalactic survey okay. and sent all of his little troops out yeah. to survey planets. Earth was one of the planets that they surveyed. Okay. And that is the start of ET the They would have gone to the movie. The forest moon of Endor. They would have. Hopefully, not when the war was happening and the Ewoks um, didn't get involved. I didn't see any. No. But that, that might be, you know, an a remastered version. That, that's in the series that's coming up on Disney Plus. Yeah, they'll just be like, they'll be like, who's going? You, you're going to Earth in the Milky Way. You're going to the forest moon of Indoors. Oh, that's such a nice place. You're going to die, though, because there's a war. <laughs> yeah, you're going to you're die. Going to, you're going to Alderaan. It's going to blow up. Little teddy bear's going to kill you on Indoor. <laughs> so that is... That's how that was my RTT too, though. <laughs> Not that that has anything to do with it. He is on. He's in that movie. Yeah. So that's the story and how they 
connect. So the ET race, Asogians, exist within the Star Wars universe. And you're right. So you're right. ET would recognize Boba Fett, maybe not Lando, because he's kind of done his own thing. Yeah. He's He'd recognize city. Yoda, not as Yoda, though, but as that, that race. That, um, what is their race called? I should know that. Anyway, whatever. Baby save Yodas. That, save that for when we do Grogu's. a... Uh, when we do an episode, another Star Wars episode, which is coming up tomorrow. It's the 4th. Oh, yeah, May that's the 4th. true. May the 4th. Yep. Um, he says home phone first. Home phone. And then the kids say phone home. Phone home. So there you go. He um, is, is that up there like with a parrot, the, really? Is that up there with the misquoted fan lyric like played against Sam? Oh, maybe. Are we doing Casablanca later in the year? Sure. Oh, we actually are. We are. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say we are. Um, uh, I was thinking. You know what I don't like about yeah, this movie? Okay. I was going to say how big Elliot's closet is. And who has that many toys? Like, fucking come on. She's a single mum who, who's never home. Or she's working a lot, so they got the money. It's a big house. Save that for later. Why is their kitchen table a triangle? Oh, you know, part of me was like, <laughs> that's annoying, but cool. But at the same time, I'm like, did you just steal that from a diner? Well, if it, it's either diner or like a caravan table yeah. that's going to lower and make a bed. Yeah, I don't know. It was a bit weird. And I was like... Anyway, did anyone else build a house in the early eighties? Did you have a triangle table? And there's the the <laughs> the stupid thing is though that there's four people in that house and it's a three sided table. Yeah, so mum and oldest son always have to sit on the long the hypotenuse. The hypotenuse. Yeah. So does that mean Gertie squared plus Elliot plus squared, Elliot squared <laughs> equals? Mum and, mum and Michael's Michael squared. squared. Yeah. So the mum's a C. Is that what you're saying? Mum's half a C. Half a C. She is. Because um, <laughs> she doesn't C for care. She doesn't C. Well, that's not the C. That's not the four letter C word I, I know. Going for. But remember, we established that somehow kids are listening. <gasps> you know what I wrote that was funny, but then came up later as like a, oh. Um, was when when the plant died. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was sad then. I looked at my monster and went, "Don't die." I don't have an alien to bring you back to. Did life. it remind you of the time when we had to stop the podcast because one of your plants suddenly overflowed <laughs> with water? Sorry. Yes. Anyway, it's I moved it. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, that was hilarious. Um, no, when he tells ET to like stay. Yeah. You know, it's like don't move, like yeah, like yeah. a dog. But then later in the thing, when he's leaving. He goes, Aww. stay. I'm like, oh, I've given before. Because I'm a stay. Sad. Come. Oh, come, go, go. And I'll be right here. <laughs> um, if this was, if this movie was made today, mm. would they just assume ET's gender? <laughs> <laughs> well, ET was voiced by a woman. He's like a chain smoking woman. Is is he a boy or a girl? He's he's a boy. Like Elliot's like, I'm not being friends with a girl. It's a boy. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) What do you think? There, this is my alien. They're really no. Is it a boy or a girl? It doesn't matter. He's my friend. That's true. Go kids listening. It doesn't matter if you're friends with boys or girls. Um, is this a Halloween movie? 
Oh, you think we should have done it in October? Yeah. All right, well, it is I'll set, delay the release. It is set on Halloween. It is set on Halloween. A la Die Hard being a Christmas movie because it's set on Christmas. Yeah. It is a Halloween movie. And? Aliens are about Halloween. And? Did the brother want to go trick-or-treating dressed as a terrorist? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Like, I re- I heard that I'm like, but okay, that's the one one good thing she did as a, did as a mum was like you are not going dressed as a terrorist. Yeah, because this is like first Gulf War time. Yeah, is it? Early eighties. Yeah, it's like Argo time. Oh no, it's not. Yeah, like Iran. I don't know my history. We didn't cover that in the Spanish Civil War unit that I did in year ten. I was like, oh, okay, that's an interesting comment. This is a connection. Parents don't care right in the 80s. Yep. If we came home and told our parents that we had chloroformed a frog and then dissected it while it was still actually alive, yeah. just unconscious. I did. That was weird for me. Our parents would have been knocking on the principal's door. Like, why are, you, why are my children killing frogs in that class? Is a, that is a young... Class to dissect a frog. Like, how I, old is this kid? Like, 10? I didn't dissect a frog till I was in year 10. I didn't dissect one until I was in uni, I think. Maybe we dissected something else. I don't know. I didn't pay much know, attention in science. It was a rat. I dissected a rat yeah, but and a it, frog. But it was already dead. I dissected a human. You didn't have to... No, I didn't. You didn't have to chloroform it. No, killed it. You, yeah. They arrived dead to your science class. Yeah. Because when I... I actually dissected a frog twice. One was just to dissect a frog. Yeah. And then the other one well, was to like... One was just to, just on my kitchen one, table one on One was a just like Friday night. I had yeah. a friend over. <laughs> um, and the other one was to like then... Like, this is, sounds weird. Like play around with its muscles. I did oh. a science degree at uni for a bit, people. <laughs> I, I'm not some sort of sadistic person. Yeah. This was, a, this was part of my linguistics degree. Yeah, like we had to like get the muscle, the leg muscle. Yep. We cut it a zap it? And you get the things and you zapped it so you could see how the muscle moved. Yeah. And you had to try and make but it do things. Again, it was dead. I was, tw- and yeah, and I was 19. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you weren't 10 in middle school. Dissecting a live animal. Dissecting an unconscious frog. Yeah. Thing. I don't think it's I, okay. It was a weird thing for me. But then I thought that scene That's was... scoring even higher on the DHS scale. <laughs> It was interesting that I didn't really get the connection or the importance of that scene. Well, frogs are green and slimy like E.T. Yeah. And And that's what I thought, but then I was like, it just went on for a bit long. Well, it's coupled with the drunk scene, which is funny. Oh, that's why he's drunk. Yeah, yeah. It's a funny scene, (laughs) but it also highlights the connection. Between E.T. and Elliot. They didn't, but unless I missed something. And then he kisses that girl. Yeah, that was weird. Because that's problematic. He stands on that guy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Other than that, sharing the drunkenness Mm. and then the end. Both being sick. That's it, yeah. Did I miss something? They feel each other's feelings. But other than that, it wasn't. There wasn't like, oh, I'm hungry, or I 
of a voodoo doll. Like, I don't, I don't really understand. No, it's not Temple of Doom style. Yeah, it could have gone a lot deeper. And the movie's not that long. I thought no. the movie was going to be longer. Well, I thought that last bit of the actual chase and whatever what would have been longer. And it wraps up quickly, especially when you finally see the guy with the keys. You finally see him. It's not a huge reveal. And then it's like, oh, he's just a guy. And then it's like, I've been waiting for this moment since I was 10. I'm like, he's not yeah, a baddie. but why? Who are you? He's not a baddie, though. Who are you, He's though? got Darth Vader's theme, but he's not a baddie, really. Yeah. Maybe it's more like Elliot being a kid thinks he's a baddie, but Elliot never sees him. Uh, uh. It was a bit like, I felt like moments, there were moments it could have gone deeper. Well, I actually feel like the flying could have gone deeper. Like, you're like, how can he fly? I, I get no, that not he, can he can fly, fly but just like thing. they're riding and then fly. It's not like, oh, my God, we need to do something, E.T. Maybe that's a modern thing we're looking at. Oh, like pre-thinging like they hadn't been able to fly before, but now we can fly. Or like, oh, we've got to get there. And like, oh, I don't know if I can go this way. There's a huge ravine. And E.T. just makes him go and then flies. Maybe that's a modern thing that before anyone ats us, right, and says, oh, you guys are just, what generation are we? Well, I'm a millennial. I'm a so you are as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, you millennials just like want modern movies that are all action and Robert Downey Jr. If fights anybody, Chris Evans. If anybody we said both, that about me, can you just go back yeah, and look at the movies no, we've watched? That, I was about to say, <laughs> I was thinking this because I knew we would both say it's a little bit slow and not super exciting in parts. We both loved 12 Angry Men. Yeah. And all about Eve. Yeah. So... We and we're going to do Gone with the Wind soon. So. And Casablanca <laughs> and Nosferatu, <laughs> which we don't know we like, but it's 100 years old. So don't say we're opposed to old movies. I, you know what it was? I think I'd only seen this, I only remember seeing this movie once before. I reckon once too for me. And everybody fucking talks this movie up. Maybe yep. it's certain Facebook groups I'm in. Um, but they talk it up like it's on the, you know, greatest, 100 greatest movies of all time, you know, and they talk it up yeah, and it's yeah, great yeah. and it's amazing and what a story and, oh, it hits you in the feels, which it does a bit at the end, mm-hmm. but nah, like, you know what? It's an incredibly well-made movie. We, yeah. You watch it and you go, and you got to think about it. Jaws was 1975 five. and then he'd done a couple of other things. Sugarland Express was his first big movie Spielberg in 1974. He did Close Encounters. Jaws, Close Encounters. If, if you can like if it was this guy's fourth movie, if you were watching it, you would be like, fuck, this guy can direct a movie. Yeah. And can direct an epic even though it's short. It's a reasonably epic blockbuster movie that combines incredible visuals, like that iconic shot of the light out of the shed. Yeah, and the bike and the moon. And the bike and the, all of that, but also combines... The, the bike chase is really... I thought the bike chase was really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And very well shot. 
but also as one of the reviews we talked about in the preview, combines his visual abilities as a director with his heart. Yes. And you see that in a lot of Spielberg movies since, obviously Schindler's List is the prime example of visually stunning plus mm. feels. Yeah. Um, but then there's a lot of emotion, even in Catch Me If You Can, and then he just, just does so many movies that combine those two things. And I think this movie is recognised as the point where he's not just an incredibly gifted guy that points a camera and puts actors in the right spot, yeah. but he can do with that visual and working with those actors to bring out the emotion of a film. I felt there was a story, but there wasn't much of a plot or vice versa. Yeah, like okay. Yep. The, there is a cute alien that comes to Earth and befriends a lonely kid. Yeah. That was yep. it. Yeah, I think... There wasn't much depth to who these people are, what this Peter Coyote character was and why he had such a weird connection as well. Is that why the mum says the coyote's back? That's what I actually laughed about. Has Peter Coyote been there before? And I I, didn't laugh at that because I thought Peter Coyote was Eric Roberts. Okay. But also, (laughs) uh, patreon.com slash two drink cinema episode Outrageous Fortune starring Peter Coyote. Is a movie I've watched countless times, so I can only ever see Peter Coyote as, as Needle Dick the Bug Fucker. Yeah, but not because <laughs> that's why it's yes. not. Yeah. yeah, that's why it's not him. Yeah, I've forgotten his name. Well hung the not bug fucker. <laughs> Michael. Michael Sanders. Thank yeah. you. Why um, did I remember Michael? Yeah, so. I thought that it was a good idea for a story, but it didn't go as deep as it could have. Yeah, but it's still an incredibly well-made movie. Yes. And you can 100% see how good both Steven Spielberg and John Williams are. Yep. It's unfortunate that this is all we really have of Henry Thomas. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that Drew Barrymore... Her claim to fame, other than this, is Charlie's Angels and Fifty First Dates. Yeah. Um, because she's very good. Yeah. And, yeah, I, it's one of those tricky ones because as a movie reviewer that we are now after doing a year of the movie podcast, you have to recognise the quality of the work that's done in creating this movie. And this is why our Chadis Minquo scale is unique to the Two Drink Cinema podcast and why we always discuss it when we on the Patreon episodes when we've done our favourites. You have to do how well you enjoy watching the movie versus how well the movie is made. Yeah. So if you're a film school student and you watch this movie, you're like, this is incredible. Yes, in terms of dec- oh, that was not a word. Directorially. Yep. And cinematographically. And even it's very well acted. Yeah. That's all good, but story-wise and engagement in the story not great. Not amazing. Like according to the AFI the 24th greatest movie of all time. Bit high for me. Yeah. Well, it depends how they 
rank it. It's it's like, is it the twenty fourth best made movie of all time? Yeah, then it's right up there. Yeah, it's a anyway. If I was voting, I'd vote it quite lower. Yeah, I th- I thought the the government in that little tent enclosure was a bigger part of the movie, from memory. And yes. I thought they took him away somewhere. I thought he died. He did die. No, but like forever. Oh. You know what I mean? That's why I thought it was everybody craps on about, oh, I cried so much at the end of E.T. Because I, I thought he died forever. Oh, that's why I spoiled it for you when I rang you with 20 minutes to go in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, yeah. One question... As I said before, he is making good decisions, Steven Spielberg. Yes. Except for the people come into the house in spacewalking. Yeah, NASA why are they dressed suits? like NASA? I didn't get that. Why are they? Yeah, they don't need to be dressed like Neil Armstrong. They're on Earth. They're not NASA. They just, are they NASA? Well, they might be NASA because they're aeronautical and space is aliens, maybe. But mm. they don't need to be dressed the same as if they're going on a spacewalk. They just need to be in the quarantine suits. Yeah, and I also don't like it's a, it's he's an he's an alien life form, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the point of the movie. Yes. Yeah, he's an extraterrestrial. Yes. Um, not from this terrace. Yeah. <laughs> he. Why are we assuming that our human medicine is working on him? Yeah. When give him like, another ten cc's like, of yeah, give whatever. Him a, this and his B flat and his flatlining and all this. I'm like, does he even have a human heart? No. So he I was has a, like, a glowy heart. Yeah. He like, can fucking maybe, maybe fly his heart, and shit. Maybe his heart are the three stones from Temple of Doom. Oh, they're three alien hearts, and that's why he can pull the heart out of someone in Temple of Doom. Alima. I've just connected Steven Spielberg and George Lucas and John even Williams. more. Ooh. Indiana Jones is part of the Star Wars universe. Oh no, because it's on Earth. Well, mm, Earth is part of the universe. Well, it was a long, long time ago, though. Although that was in the forties, because the Nazis. Um. That's true. 30s. 30s. When parents cared. Although. 40s. Chronologically. Oh, because they weren't. Yeah. Temple of Doom doesn't sit. Like Raiders of the Lost Ark and Last Crusade are Nazis. But Temple of Doom is not Nazis. It's a different time. That's true. And, and a different woman. And Christian of the Grey Skull. Separate. Which we don't talk about. Shia LaBeouf. We don't, we don't, don't talk, talk about, about him. We don't talk about him. Weirdo. We don't talk about Kate Blanchett. There's a fifth movie. one coming, apparently. We are not talking about that. I'm going to go and see it in the cinema. I'm, I, you know what? I remember going to see... Um, Grayskull. Gray, Crystal, Crystal Skull. Skull not Grayskull. He-Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Indiana wa- Jones and the Castle Grayskull. <laughs> and walking out going, that was not great. And being like berated because I didn't like an Indiana Jones movie. No. In, like, it's not great. Kate Blanchett has made some interesting choices. She's an incredible actress. She, yeah, but you know, a la hot fuzz. They need to make money. That's true. So that's why she did this and Thor. Thor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, she wasn't bad in Thor. You get paid a lot more to, to be in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull than you do for playing Queen Elizabeth. Yes. Especially the first time around. Um, this 
this is reality, Greg. <laughs> I love that line. Because he was like, oh, have we got this and this? And Elliot's like, this is reality, Greg. <laughs> um, the brothers' friends are dicks. Until the brothers like, get the bikes. And they're like, yeah, I don't like that they... puts a balaclava on. Yeah, because that, was that his terrorist outfit? Yeah, probably. I don't like Or that... are they all juvenile delinquents because Maybe. their mum doesn't know what they're, they're doing at night. They've got to... Where'd they get that money to buy the pizza from? Then she cracks it for them buying at the start. Yeah, yeah. Oh, who said you could have pizza? Well, there's 50 well, bucks lying on the table. You're not home, mum. What else am I going to do? She was home. She was loading the dishwasher and their friend tried to touch her bum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um... I don't like that the friends were there at the end to like be included in that moment. Yeah, no, it's not necessary. I'm like, you don't get to enjoy this. You're a yeah. dick. You don't get to fly on your bike. I think they should have just been like, thanks for the bike. See you later. Yeah. but And then he goes, follow me. And then none of them actually technically follow him. But then, that being said, the Days of Thunder BMX chase yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, pretty, is cool. And the jumping and Nicole yeah. Kidman just scoots over the side there. <laughs> Except for the fact that the kid in the riding, that's riding that is as Elliot, Elliot yeah. is clearly not Elliot. It's about 45 years old. He's about probably twice a, the height. And is a professional BMX rider. Yeah, but I'll let that one go. But in terms of age, I wrote in my notes, they all seem, Elliot and Michael seem super young. But I think that's because we're used to watching 30-year-olds playing 17-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're used to like Stockhard Channing yes. playing Rizzo. Yeah, yeah. That when we actually see a 17-year-old playing a 16-year-old, we're like, fuck, he's young. Like, yeah. No, he's actually the right age. Yeah. I was thinking, about, like, not only is his acting very good in terms of the way it's acted, but... <laughs> I'm not only is his acting good <laughs> in terms of the way he's acting... But his acting, his acting is, is, is good. Good. No, but there's like a lot of it. You know what I mean? Like, no, no. Like, he is. Not only is his acting good in quality, it's good. It's in also quality. good in quantity. No, as in like, it's a lot of the movie. In a two-hour movie, movie. In a two-hour movie, there's two hours worth of acting. Yeah. <laughs> He's in he's in the whole movie. It is. It is he ri- carries the movie and, and is a fucking eight year old kid or whatever. And this, uh, yeah, and this goes back to you know, and you said at the start about the John Williams music, is there's only one character and it's yeah. E.T. and Elliot, and that they end you know in the end. Spoiler alert! If you haven't watched the movie by now, no more spoilers. Yeah. They are one character, and so that theme is them. And he is good. He is good. And actors will tell you, because I speak to a lot of them, which I don't, (laughs) and they acting against something that's not real is tough. Acting with a puppet, as the puppet's incredible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But acting against a puppet is a challenge. Yeah, because there's no. Let alone when you're eight years old. Acting against a puppet. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Henry Thomas, well done. This is Pez, see? You put the candy in here and (laughs) it's a drink. 
That's Coca-Cola. Well, speaking of Coca-Cola, we'll take a short break so we can do our Google reviews. I have to say, though. In the Chattis Minquo scale. Last thing on the actual movie. Okay. I hope that the mum does earn a lot of money because Elliot's going to need a shitload of therapy. Oh, yeah. He is going to have abandonment issues. He will never get married or have a serious relationship because he'll be like, you'll just leave me like E.T. The first person I loved wasn't, wasn't a, a girl he, yeah. wasn't the girl he kissed. No. It was an alien. It was it was E.T. in a wig. I thought that theme was in it a lot more. You know the when the, the leave and the rainbow goes? Yeah, that theme is in it heaps. Yeah. But the theme that I thought was in it more was when the rainbow happens. The du, 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 yes. du, that one. Yeah. Which we love John Williams and we've just we spent the first twenty minutes of the podcast <laughs> telling you that. We've talked more about John but Williams than Listen the movie. to that rainbow theme at the end of ET and then listen to what he wrote for the uh, Los Angeles Olympic Games. We're going to have a little break. We need to get another drink. You can also get another drink unless you're driving. And we'll be back with Google reviews, Chattis Minquo, and a trivia. Let's have a chat. An open, honest chat. Join best mates Lee and Jeff as they strip back everything, literally and figuratively, to have an open conversation about life. No pants, no problems. Make sure you subscribe on your favourite platform so you don't miss an episode. Join the conversation by following us on Facebook and Twitter at No Pants Pod. Okay, the Google reviews. I'm going to hit you straight up with a... A bingo. A, a five. Nice. Okay. This is my favourite movie of all time. All in capitals. Great. I watched this movie when I was five and it stuck with me forever. I watch it time to time and I love it even more every time I watch it. Fun fact. This is the only movie that has made me cry. Oh, that's... I love wow. this film 10,000 out of 10. Wow. Um, speaking of an age you just mentioned there, that will transition me into a one-star review. Do it. I was. I love when segues are explained so well. I was traumatized by this film. Please don't let a kid under the age of five watch this. I'm well, now okay, a teenager, cause... and even the look of any alien makes me shake. It's a well done movie, but can be extremely scary. Okay. Here's one that proves a point that you made earlier in the episode. Good. I like when people prove me right. One of the best Steven Spielberg movies ever made. There's lots of exclamation marks in these five-star reviews. <laughs> it is so emotional and so cute. I watch it every October during Halloween. Whee! Pumpkin emoji. Pumpkin emoji. This is Henry Thomas's best emotional role ever. Wrong spelling of role. I always ball. Wrong spelling of ball. Like a baby when E.T. dies, comes back and goes home. <laughs> I'm going to give that a thumbs up for being helpful on your behalf. Thank you. One star. Two months ago, this person posted this. Plot legit. I think they mean legit. Legit. Plot legit makes no sense. Things that happen aren't answered or explained. E.T. is a plot device. 
They act like I'm supposed to care about Elliot and E.T. and be sad when E.T. is about to die. Even thought the characters do nothing together. The mother is unbelievably stupid. I don't feel sad at all throughout this movie, even though it's supposed to be a cult classic and a heartwarming film. I did not feel that at all throughout the movie. And also, I feel like E.T. is pretty creepy. One person found this one. useful. No one found that Halloween one helpful until you. <laughs> until now. Me on your behalf. Phyllis wrote, In 1982, I saw this movie when I was 36 years old and my sons were six and one. Oh, you don't sh- Okay, fuck. Loved the movie. This evening, I saw this movie again on Netflix at age 75. I love this movie even more now that I have lived so much life. The delight of children and the desire to befriend the foreign creature rather than kill and harm the foreign is essential to our future as a human species. Thank you, Spielberg, and all responsible for E.T. Movie. So grateful am I. The movie is a classic for all that me. Oh, you ruined it at the end, Phyllis. (laughs) Phyllis. This movie is a classic for all that me. What does she mean? This movie is a classic for me. I'm just going to leave it at that, Phyllis. I um, hope Phyllis... It's still alive to tr- hear this no, episode? Yeah. Or? I hope Phyllis translates that in her day-to-day life when a person of colour moves in next door to her at age 76. Oh, no. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm so happy that the kids didn't decide to kill the alien. This innocence and acceptance is so lovely. Oh, Jamal next door didn't oh. put his bins in. Like... Karen, the movie that you made me watch that I didn't get to talk about on our bloody Razzies episode. Karen, the movie. Oh, Hattie Cooper. Many people have suffered. <laughs> Many people need to be psychologically reevaluated because of the trauma this movie has inflicted upon them. He looks like a calcified sock. Who made this decision and how are they coping with their villainy? Not impressed. That's it. Jeez, that is hectic. <laughs> he looks like a calcified sock. Okay. That's good. I like that. You're right. Um, then there's a lot of other mo- there's a lot of reviews that refer to um, what I am assuming is a Bollywood movie. No, remember we talked about it in the preview. The Indian director's movie that this ripped off. Oh. And tried to sue him. Yeah. And they're but all then like, they were like, it's better. Oh, no, I'm not going to sue him because I think he's a good director. Yeah, okay. Anyway. Um, mm. A lot of the five-star reviews are like, oh, all these people giving it one star have no idea about cinema. Yeah. That's a battle always. That's we should battle. get the like a battle royale of five star reviewers and one star reviewers as a guest on each end of the table. Yeah, to debate the movie. And I'll be like, Anderson and Cooper. And I'll be, let's get ready to rumble. And I'll be that fly that landed on Mike Pence's head. <laughs> All right. And I'll be the black dripping down Rudy Giuliani's head. Face. He wasn't involved in a presidential debate. I just oh he. Remembered that worked for the anyways involved in other presidential issues. I have handed over the oh, Chadis Minquo so scoring to you because we know how shit I am with a spreadsheet. All right, Chad S. Minquo scale 
Launching straight in the C stands for cry. I cried twice back to back. At the end? When they flew over the cops. And yep. then I still had a little moist eyeball. Yeah. When the thing landed. Are we giving that a two out of five then? Well, I kind of was a little bit moist in the eyeballs <laughs> from the flying over the cop cars. Let's give it a th- to the credits. Two and a half or a three? Two and a half. Two and a half. Alrighty. Um, big house. house. Big house. Yeah, big house. Small. That's a three. For a single mother. Arousal? The imagine, new addition? Imagine trying to afford a house that size these days in oh, Melbourne. Nah, fuck on off. a single mother's wage. Nah. Uh, three. It's a three. It's a three house. Three house for sure. Now, arousal. No arousal. Well, ooh, E.T. Horny- gets a little bit... And he no, gets a little bit thing when he... Michael's friend tries to touch her bum. And Elliot makes out with that girl. Yeah, that's a hashtag me too, though. One, two. 1.5. 1.5. I like that. N- alcoholic. There is a the, major scene where he's drunk. Where he's drunk. And, and I'm pretty sure the mum's drunk at Halloween. Oh, she's way too excited to be sober because those costumes aren't all that. No. Um, I'm going to go with two and a half. Yep. And she's clearly drunk because she doesn't recognize the fact that her daughter is an alien. Her daughter has a massive head. Yeah. Anyway. Two and a half. Two and a half. And it is a Coke movie. So two for Coke. There On you the go. On the drink scale is a 4.5. Well, that doesn't... Yes. 4.5. Yep. Stand-up stand ability. Stand-up ability. I think that's pretty good with the stand-up ability. Yeah, but it's the effects. The story know. stands up the and other than the effects, three and a half for me. Three for Brett, three and a half for Lee. Yep. Memorability. I think for people that have watched it more than once, the memorability yeah. is high. I think it's three quite for me. A three and a half for me. I'm going to go four. No, three and a half. Yeah. Yeah, three and a half. Um, impact. I think this has impact in terms of friendly aliens. I think it has impact in terms of making a sci-fi movie. For a family. Yeah. A, f- a family sci-fi. Oh, family sci-fi. A throwback to a year ago <laughs> where I invented the term family sci-fi. Because it's like a... It's not so much about the... Sigh. It's As more about a relationship. A you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of the time when it's a sci-fi movie, it's about the science of it. Well, particularly from the... Well, so if we think about the time, the 50s and 60s were B-grade sci-fi movies of yeah. just scary how, how scary space can be. Then George Lucas, with the help of his mate Stephen, made this space opera Star Wars that made sci-fi blockbusters and then Steven Spielberg in this movie probably started sci-fi being something other than scary or action. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So is it a five? I'm giving it a 3.5. I'm giving it a four. Okay. Just because I think the story isn't great. Gave us Drew Barrymore. Well, negative five (laughs) it is. Um, Nostalgia. We're in the wrong generation I'm for gonna, the nostalgia yeah, of this I'm movie. Yeah, I'm still going to give it a four. Yeah, four. Because Gen X will be yelling at their wireless 
I think we're seeing the last couple of scenes of Beauty and the Beast out there with the pitchforks and the torches because you bagged oh. E.T. <laughs> God. The lynch mob of Gen X movie fans are coming to get you. Quotability. Phone home. Yeah. What Ellie, else, Ellie, Elliot, be good. I will always be here. I'll be right here. Penis breath. <laughs> four. I'm going to go 3.5. I'm going to go four because even though there's mainly one quote, phone home, it's super, super used. Yeah. Um. Overall, overall rating. Oh, See, this is the thing. I'm not going to rush out and watch it again. I'm not putting it into my top 10, but it's an incredibly well-made movie. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? I'm going to give it a... Th- I'm giving it a 3.75. I'm giving it a 3.5 because I don't do anything other than that. As in like the 0.75s, <laughs> the 0.82s. All I do is give 3.5s. Yeah. Um, on the Chad scale... What did the it Chad get on the Chad? Gale got 11.5. Oh, okay. Which is quite high, I think, because of uh, it's a big house and you cried. And there's drinking and Coke. Yeah. Yep. It is an 80s movie, says Coke. <laughs> and then it got 43.75 on the Sminquo. That, that is high. So the total is 55.25. Oh, that's up there. That's in the top five of movies we've done this year. It's... Um, I think it's like fourth. It's not Godfather level. It's not Godfather. It's not as high as um, A League of Their Own. It's the same as Singing in the Rain. Ooh. It's higher than Cabaret. It's higher than Princess Bride. I'll make another sheet in that that gives the scores and keeps it going. So we can do that. All right. Let's do some. All right. 55.75 is good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's um, do a trivia. Cool. And we've decided to do a known four for Drew Barrymore. Yes. Because she's the only big actor from this. Okay. That's correct. Ready? Ding, ding, ding. Yep, definitely that one. That's up there for sure. Um. Um... I'm going to go with that one second. Done. And then I'm going to go with that one. And then I'm going to go... I ended up with five on my list because my autocorrect on my phone did me in. I don't have my laptop today. I'm a little bit disorganised. I'm trying to be a fourth one. What's the fourth one? You're trying to be a little bit obscure? No, I'm trying to think what... I'm going to alter mine slightly. trying to think what people will watch. I'm trying to... I'm going to alter mine slightly because I know IMDb sometimes throws a bit of a curveball in. Yeah. That's when I'm done with my fourth one. Alrighty. Okay, IMDb. We are looking at Drew Barry Moore. Okay. Number one. Charlie's Angels. Never Been Kissed. Oh, that's the one I put forth as a weird one. But producer. Oh, yeah, but Never Been Kissed. Done. Never Been that's Kissed. That's one point for me. Number two. Charlie's Angels. That's what I had in the first spot. Number three, Fifty First Dates. That's what I had as number three. That's what I had in the fourth spot. Mm. Well, you've won. 
Um, is it the wedding singer? No. Oh. It is Ever After, a Cinderella story. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. I thought Charlie's Angels would have been first by a... Well, my, I put E.T. because we're talking about E.T. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, and then in the number two spot, to be a little bit clever, I put Charlie's Angels 2. Yeah. And then I put Donnie Darko because, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody listening, we did an episode on Donnie Darko that you should go back and listen to. That's correct. And then I did 50 First Dates because we mentioned that earlier in this episode. Nice. But her most recent has been Scream and the terrible A Castle for Christmas. Oh, and the Drew Barrymore show. and um, Brooke Shields. And she now she plays, has her own talk show. So she that's plays fine. herself in A Castle for Christmas. Oh, there you go. Anyway, uh, this is a bloody long episode. Thank Good. you for sticking around. It's probably as bad as long as the movie. Our episode on E.T. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, Lee. Jeez. Thanks for listening to this episode of Two Drink Cinema. Make sure you've subscribed so you don't miss any future episodes. Please share with a friend and leave a rating and review. It goes a long way to help us reach a bigger audience. This show is produced by Odd Socks Entertainment. For more of Odd Socks Entertainment's work, including the show notes for this episode, follow the link in this episode description. Follow us on all your social platforms and join our Facebook group to connect with us. Thanks for listening. Happy watching and drink responsibly. Cheese.